It's not just what we do that's important. It's also why we do it. Motivation matters. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. As I anticipate my Good Story hiatus through the month of August, I decided to end this six-month segment with a short series. So today we're beginning a two-part series on motivation. Not the motivation you might be thinking about. Not the kind that motivational speakers capitalize on, like getting you to get up and get going, to take on the difficult tasks before you, to capitalize on your strengths and work on your weaknesses. It's also not the motivation of a coach, one who prods and pep talks and says things like, I need you to give 110% before the game, and then things like, they were just the better team today, and we don't want to take away this win from them. We just need to want it more next time. After the game, if there was a loss or if there was a win, they might say something like, you did great out there, but remember, it's just one game. We need to turn the corner and set our sights on the next one now. We are not done. You know our goal, and this was just one small step toward it. Now, I'm not dissing motivational speakers or coaches. I know and like both. In truth, I'm sometimes one and have a great desire to be the other. If anyone knows of any NFL team looking to add to their coaching staff, please send them my way. The motivation I'm talking about is the impetus or incentive we draw on for our everyday actions and our everyday responses. What normally motivates me? What normally motivates you? Let me give you a quick example. I was talking with a group of people one day and I heard someone say, I can't even believe that I didn't even get one thank you note after that event I did. We raised so much money and hit all of the goals we set for ourselves. I thought, well, almost all of the goals. Sounds like the thank you note tally was still unmet. After a bunch of the other people left and it was just the two of us, she brought the matter up again and said how bothered she was by the lack of gratefulness in everybody. I asked her if she maybe was motivated in this particular instance by being thanked and noticed as much as she was motivated by the cause itself. She said, absolutely not, and then paused and said, but obviously so. There are times we can't even correctly know what motivates us. Isn't that the truth? Only God can see the heart, right? So we need Him to shine light on any dark areas that we might be aware, unaware of. I remember a time when that happened to me. One year, I was asked to write a Christmas program for the elementary age students at our church. That sounded super fun to me. I was super excited to do it. I love writing stuff like that, and I love rhyming, and I was going to have the opportunity to do both. The title of this particular program was, What Can I Give the King? I decided to adapt part of a program I had worked on years earlier at a different church with my brother-in-law due to the short time I had to write for this one. I knew I needed to make some changes because the amount of kids we had available at this church were so many more, so I had to write some extra scenes and change the original song to fit our new cast and crew and made some extra set changes, stuff like that, and I loved doing it. I still remember parts of our theme song. What can I give the king? 
What is my offering? I come to you, my life I bring. That is the song I sing. Long ago a babe was born in a manger Christmas morn. To the world he came to save. He came to rule the grave. What can I give the king? You get the idea, right? I was not going to do the whole thing. I actually wasn't even going to do that much. Anyway, so I wrote the program, and that was super fun. And then the whole thing went south. You see, the program, after it was written, needed an administrator. It needed someone to set auditions, set the practice schedule, arrange for costumes and sets and lights and sound and the programs and refreshments afterwards. So grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and neighbors and friends who came to see it would be able to spend time together afterwards. It needed so many things. I was asked to do this. I was asked, and I said yes. I said yes because, wait for it, if I didn't do it, who else would? Or seriously, who else could? I now know the answer to both of those questions. Who would? Likely someone God would call to do it. Someone God would equip to do it, someone who would enjoy doing it and would give God praise and glory when it was all over. Someone gifted to do it. Yeah, there definitely would have been someone else who would have done it. But could anyone else do it? After all, I wrote it, right? Could anyone else carry this task on to completion? Absolutely. I enjoyed writing it, but once the page turned, and I had to think about dates and details, I was out of my realm. It wasn't just that I was in some space I didn't enjoy, like I'm not really feeling called to take out the garbage or clean bathrooms or something. It was more than that. I was ill-equipped. I was in over my head. But once the program was announced at church and I was announced as its coordinator or whatever, I started having moms coming up to me. Moms telling me that you should probably get a schedule together so that the actors could put it on their family calendars. I had moms volunteering to make costumes and and sets and and others asking, what else do you need help with? I had moms volunteering to bring snacks to rehearsals and and ask me what I had planned for after the program. I had well-meaning, eager mothers asking to help me. And every time they did, I got irritated. Why do they keep asking me these things? They're suffocating me with suggestions. What's with these interlopers? I was annoyed I was annoyed with them and all their questions. They were making me panic on the deepest level. I kind of knew it wasn't their fault. It's just that every time a new question was asked, I kept thinking about the many other questions that I probably am forgetting to ask that I didn't even know about. And I held on to this great weight of anxiety that kept telling me I was going to end up getting to the performance weekend and I'd be standing there like a reindeer in the headlights saying things like, Wait, I was supposed to arrange for a sound person or whatever. Instead of being irritated with these organized people who thought about details and had the courtesy to mention them to me, I should have been totally irritated with myself. I was the one who said yes to this. I volunteered to do a job I wasn't gifted to do, and I did so wrongly motivated. As the days turned into weeks and weeks turned into months and the months felt like years, I no longer was singing, what can I give the king? What is my offering? I was muttering, what can I give the king? Not one stinking thing. I was tired. By the time of the performances, I had started, to my husband only, referring to the SCP. As in, oh, I have that SCP practice tonight. Or I have to arrange this thing for the SCP. Or I have to make calls for the SCP. The SCP, the stupid Christmas program. Eventually, the weekend came and the program was presented. 
My back had been dripping with sweat the whole day. My heart was pounding the whole night. The kids did great. By the time I heard their sweet voices singing the theme song as a reprise while they marched out of the church, I realized I had been holding my breath and I felt like I just might pass out. I had tears of relief in my eyes and no song in my heart. As I turned to leave, I noticed that somebody was already in the back of church setting up tables and cookies for families to enjoy afterwards. I thought, ah, yeah, I probably was supposed to do that too. I grabbed a mint brownie and then I grabbed another one. I smiled at parents who came up to talk to me, but I felt empty and weird. Sometime the next week, I sat down with myself, which sometimes makes for pleasant company and sometimes is just annoying. This time it was annoying and then rather informative. I sat down with myself and I asked the Lord some questions. When did my SCP train derail? What was my problem? I came to the realization it happened at the exact time I said to myself, Well, if I don't do it, who else would or could? What a pompous, prideful statement. I know that answer now, who could or would, the person who should have done it, and that person was not me. I'd forgotten my favorite verses. I have lots of favorite verses, actually, throughout various stages and ages of my life, but two of my consistent go-tos are found in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 and 23. They sound very similar. Colossians 3, 17 says, Whatever you do, Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Why do we do what we do? We do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, and we give thanks to God the Father. And Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. At first glance, or upon first hearing these right now, you might be thinking, These verses aren't saying you shouldn't have said yes to administrating. They're saying once you said yes, you should have done it with thankfulness. You should have worked at it with all your heart for the Lord. You should have recognized you're actually serving Christ. And I agree. I agree to quite a large extent. I could have done this task better, like way better. Once I said yes, I could have served wholeheartedly. It's just that I want to back up even one step farther and ask myself, according to these verses, should I have said yes? Because saying yes is a word or deed, right? Was I saying yes in the name of the Lord Jesus? Was I saying yes with the right motivation? I believe if I had stopped and prayed and thought about how the Lord has gifted me and the way he has gifted others, I would have come to the conclusion that I should have said no. I believe that by saying yes to something that was beyond my gifting and ability, I not only ended up doing something with a bad attitude, but I also robbed another person of being able to say yes and enjoy the process of working at it with all their heart for the Lord. Verse 17 says, whatever's going on, whether we're talking or doing, we should do so representing the Lord Jesus. We're representing him when we're using the spiritual gifts he's given us, empowered by the Holy Spirit for the benefit of the body of Christ, promoting unity and peace. That's the context of this verse. So when someone is asked to do something and responds with, if I don't do this, who would or could? This is not that. In fact, instead of promoting unity and peace, it promotes self and it brings discord. It carries with it a wrong assumption that I am always the best person for each task. And even more damaging implies that I'm actually better than everyone else because I'm saying yes to it. And if I don't do it, clearly none of these other yahoos will step up to the plate. They'll likely just sit around like they always do. So here I am to save the day. 
Where's God's glory in all this? Where is the giving thanks to God the Father? Where is the, it's the Lord Christ you are serving? It's either overshadowed by your bad attitude. Remember the stupid Christmas program? Remember the, why didn't I get any thank you notes? Remember the, why are these interlopers interrogating me? Where is do it all for the glory of God? And where is the giving thanks to God the Father? These things might be held within a very gifted person sitting next to you in your pew or chair or however it works at your church who hasn't been asked or who hasn't volunteered in an area of service because someone else is already doing it year after year after year after year, wrongly thinking if they'd stop, nobody else would step up. Or if they stopped, whoever would step up wouldn't do it nearly as great as they're doing it. Or if they stopped, they'd lose a sense of their identity because they've always been the one to do always do the thing. Maybe there is a gifted person sitting next to you unable to use their gifts because there are well-meaning yet wrongly motivated people doing things who've said yes out of a misdirected obligation and not in answer to God-directed prayer. What's our deal? What's your deal? I told you what my deal was. You know what I found out the next year? There was a very gifted woman in our church body that had been longing to get involved in the church. She loved directing the Christmas program the next year. She had schedules flowing out of her like a free-flowing river. She made charts and graphs like, (laughs) like what? Like a data analyst. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know who makes charts and graphs. Anyway, she made charts and graphs like a person was gifted to be able to do it. And the next year, the program was great, and she was still smiling at the end of it. She hugged me and she thanked me over and over again for the opportunity to serve in this way. And I was so embarrassed that I made it seem like I was the one who needed to give permission for her to be able to do it. I told her she did it far better than I could have ever done it or even imagined. I told her that not only did the program give glory to God, but that her life was a testimony to God's power that was at work within her. He definitely, I told her, received glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. I told her she was a blessing to me and to many. I thanked her for serving wholeheartedly and for giving thanks to God for the opportunity to do so. Ah, motivation matters. Next week, we'll look again at the why of what we do. And again, we'll see that it really does make a difference. I'll also tell you my escalator stories. After that, just a quick reminder, I'll be taking August off from Good Story to rest, regroup, and prepare for the busy fall speaking season. I'll be back on September 3rd, though, to continue this journey we've started of sharing and living our good stories together. Blessings, friends. Blessings, friends.